Well, good evening, church, and thanks for joining us again for a Sunday night teaching time. We're in a series called Renewed in the Spirit of Your Mind, Knowing How the Life of God Gets Inside. Here's the title for tonight's teaching, Presenting Your Body in Worship, What Renewed Minds Are For and Why It Matters More Than Most People Think. We're still looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Get a Bible. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's just go over a couple of the big ideas that we've looked at the last two Sunday nights. First, we said that renewed minds, that's what that text is about, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewed minds come from somewhere, not from nowhere. And that word, therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that links up the practical instruction that's going to continue from Romans 12 through 16. And it's, and it's, if you're going to do those things, the word therefore looks back to the first 11 chapters of Romans dealing with the mercies of God. So that's Paul's way and the Holy Spirit's way of reminding us that if the church ignores doctrinal instruction, sacrifices that for what we like to kind of loosely call practical teaching, she might not get the kind of long-term results she thinks she's going to get. What this means is you, you can't consistently just hope to live a deeply godly life. It, it takes more than a good sales pitch snappy topics, good marketing. It takes more than that to pull our hearts into the kingdom of God. You have to, you have to learn. You have to think. So says the word of the Lord, not Don Horbin. What, what you give your attention to, remember, what you give your attention to, think, study. What you give your attention to, you will come to love. What you love will control your life. There's the rule. What you give your attention to, what you work at, what you think about, you will come to love. And what you love will control your actions, control your life. And then we saw that the renewed spiritual life is fueled by what is it we're to give our minds to? That word, therefore, look back, study. What is it that we're supposed to study? Well, the mercies of God. I urge you by the mercies of God, 12.1, to present your bodies. So apart from learning to meditate on and deeply ponder the mercy of God in Christ and all that that entails, apart from that, I will just... I will just struggle to live my Christian life out of duty. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to do this, and I'm not supposed to do that. So 
The Christian life, when it's lived just by obligation rather than fueled by the mercies of God, loving, rejoicing in, thankful for the mercies of God. If When that's not the fuel, when it's just duty, here's the list. Obey this stuff. It's a hard chore. It's a hard chore, and it makes godliness dry and brittle rather than a delight. Your word is my delight. That's why, by the way, we need to think this through. That's why just singing hymns, worship courses, the songs we sing have to do more than just tell Jesus how much we love him. There's a place for that. But corporate worship will grow thin quickly unless our, our thinking, our singing, our worship, it has to not only say, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. It has to say, Jesus, here's, here's why I love you. Here's what you have done. Here's how it affects my life. Passion alone won't cut it for very long. Then, remember, we looked at the account of the wicked woman and the Pharisee. Jesus told that parable. We studied it. How the Pharisee didn't do any of the things for Jesus that this wicked woman did. And then Jesus explains why. This woman had a sense of how vast, how deep, how wonderful the grace of God was to pardon her. Whereas the Pharisee, he's keeping rules and regulations and he doesn't sense his need for grace and forgiveness and mercy. And so this wicked woman, remember, she wipes Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair and pours on that expensive ointment. And the Pharisee can't figure out why she's doing all this stuff. Jesus says, well, she understands she's been forgiven much. She is thinking about the mercy of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This wicked woman, she doesn't have a lot of things right, but her, her life is motivated by the mercy of God. The Pharisee wasn't. Just duty, a list of regulations. His isn't going to carry him very far. Hers will take her all the way to Jesus. That's where we kind of left off our study in this passage. Today I want to take up a, a new idea. It, it's layered and it builds week after week. Paul says, our minds are renewed. They're renewed, and the fuel for that is thinking about the mercy of God and all that it implies. But that leads to something else. It's not just mental. It's not just in the mind. We present our bodies. 12.1, present our bodies, our physical bodies, renewed minds, present the physical body as a living sacrifice. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. Point number one, biblical truth isn't understood and devotion to Christ isn't real until the actions of the body are affected by the work of the Holy Spirit in my mind. Now, true enough, this doesn't undo anything we've been studying. The root of transformation is a renewed mind. Uh, seeping in the mercies of God, thinking about it. That's the fuel for every other transformation that's going to occur in my life, the mercy of God. But the effect of a mind renewed around the mercy of God will be the physical actions of the body. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
So, so it's in the offering of my body daily, physically to the Lord in sacrifice and service that, that you start to move past, uh, pretend Christianity into authentic Christianity. The mind is renewed, but it never stops. It never ends in just mental activity. It starts with the renewing of the mind. What you give your attention to, you will love. What you love will control your life. It starts in the mind, but it doesn't end there. The actions of the body are the fruit of a renewed mind in the grace of God. Paul picks an image, I don't know if you noticed it, that it's almost totally removed from our world, but would be a very potent image to these Christians in Rome. The only Bible these Christians had at this point was their Old Testament. Everybody read of people coming to the priest to offer their sacrifice. They brought animals when they came. And the priest did something that in contemporary North American society would just be considered totally uh, unjust and cruel. Priests would take that perfect, usually young, innocent animal and kill it, slit its throat, and blood would flow all over the sacrifice. Gruesome. And the priest, on behalf of the one who brought the animal, the one coming to approach God, the priest would offer the sacrifice of the body of this animal. Now, of course, those sacrifices, they pictured something that was fulfilled in the death of Jesus on the cross. That's what all those animal sacrifices were looking forward to. They were a temporary covering for sin that was only given meaning and power and substance through the Lamb of God. Sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. So, when Paul talks about offering our bodies today as living sacrifices, when he uses that language, he doesn't mean we can in any way earn the favor of God through anything we do. We don't, we don't offer ourselves in that sense. But there were other kinds of sacrifices offered in the Old Testament. There were sacrifices offered in thanks for the mercies of God, for the blessing of God. Sacrifices that celebrated harvest, sacrifices that celebrated deliverance, sacrifices that celebrated mercy and blessing. These are the sacrifices Paul is thinking of. We, we offer our body as sacrifices, not to earn God's mercy, but because of the accomplishment of God's mercy already. The blessings already received in our hearts through Christ. I urge you, by the mercies of God that you've already received, present your bodies as living sacrifices. We do talk so much, rightly so, about being forgiven. We talk rightly so about amazing grace. We look back in fondness at that moment when we were saved or converted or born again, when Jesus came into our hearts, whatever terminology you want to use. And that's all good, but, but in our text, Romans 12, 1, Paul's pressing beyond that a little bit. 
He writes to these people, these Christians at Rome, and he says, well and good, you're saved, you've received mercy, now I want to urge you to test those claims of being saved and having received mercy. And the test is this, has it reached the presenting of your bodies to the Lord? Has this truth cherished in your minds Is it being expressed through your physical bodies day by day? The friendships you make. The grudges you hold. The entertainment, boy. The entertainment you view. Psalm 101, 2 and 3. I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. What a verse. That's the body. What you do with the body. The money you spend. Does the way I do things with my body day by day, does it, does it show my mind is so absorbed with all that I have received in Christ that I don't view my body as my own? It's a living sacrifice that I present to the Lord gladly day by day. It's reached my actions in the physical body. These people would have understand that language. Paul would say, see those people coming to the temple to worship? Do you see the animals going in with the people, but none of the animals coming out? That's how much your body belongs to the Lord. True. We're not laying down our lives in the sense of experiencing physical death. We're called to be living sacrifices, after all. But we must, considering all the mercies of God received in Christ Jesus, we do have to come to an end of living for ourselves, living on our own terms. I I know, I know. Jesus has come into your heart. I know you've given your heart to Jesus. We talk about that. Now the question is, have you given him everything else in the body as well as the heart? Remember what you do with your physical body counts. The way you treat your marriage partner, the way you date, the way you spend your money, the way you accumulate, the way you make decisions If you belong to God at all, if you're rejoicing in his mercy, then the physical body, you're not your own, says Paul. We wrestle with this, I think, because there are always kind of theological misfits who think whenever you preach about anything to do with the physical body, especially sins concerning the body, that we're somehow just falling into legalism. And that's not true. It's not true at all. Just because the New Testament, New Testament sanctification constantly presses into specific details of our behavior doesn't make it legalistic. Remember, Paul is calling them to present their bodies as living sacrifices because of the mercies of God. Not to earn mercy, but because they've received mercy. It's not legalism. It's gratitude. It's love. It's a sacrifice of love and joy, not law. Okay, point number two. 
I want you to think about something for a minute. Point number two is, what is the purpose of having a physical body? Think about it. I mean, God created many other creatures without physical bodies. Angels. Angels are real beings, actual entities created by God, but they don't have physical bodies like we do. God himself, while a person is not a physical being, he could have made you and me any way he wanted, entirely, entirely free to create us any way he wanted, but he he specifically chose to give us physical human bodies. We alone, you and I, physical personal beings, not like the animals. They have bodies, but they're not made in the image of God like we are. Physical bodies made in the image of God, made to relate to God. Tell you why I think he did that. It's because we have the greatest capacity to glorify God for his mercy in Christ in a way that's observable. We can magnify God's mercy in Christ in a way angels can't because they've never been redeemed. They've never experienced redemption. Only we have. I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. You can only say that about people. The rest of the physical creation can't do that because not sharing God's image like people The rest of creation can't possibly relate to God as we can. So, we have, men and women, we have the most stunning opportunity to glorify God for his mercy, redemptive mercy, which only we have received. We can do it with our physical bodies. We can can use these physical bodies and the choices, the visible choices we make with our bodies, we can put on display how wonderful we think the mercies of God in Christ are. Do you get it? We are God's first choice, his created first choice to advertise how much we relish mercy in Jesus Christ, not just with our thoughts, which no one can see, but with our bodies, which can be observed by a watching world. We are God's first choice to advertise his boundless grace and mercy. God gave you, as a Christian now, born again, God gave you a physical body as an instrument to visibly, externally magnify how worthy Christ is for his mercy of devotion and obedience and love. We, by faith and consecration, we can enter into the song of a new redeemed physical creation in the rest, the way the rest of the fallen world can't. And, and, and here's the important point. The visible, devoted dedicating of the physical body to glorify God is what a renewed mind is for. God can't be outwardly glorified by a merely inward salvation. So this displaying of my treasuring of the mercy of God in Christ, it can't just be a mental thing. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
God wants to magnify how much I prize his mercy by the choices and actions of my physical body. Now, take just a minute. We've covered a lot of stuff here. Turn back the clock. Think of how several weeks ago I stressed the importance of that little word, therefore. Beseech you, therefore. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God. And I was trying to stress that the therefore looks back to the mercies of God described in the first chapters. And I looked at Romans 1 and 2 and 5 just as examples. But the first 11 chapters of Romans deal with the mercies of God. And I looked at how that word therefore calls us to look back on those things as fuel, what you give your attention to, you will come to love, and what you love will control your life. Now we're in a better, I said, and I said, that's the deep way to get the church to conform to the image of Christ, thinking about, studying, explaining the mercy of God in Christ. Now we're in a position to test whether what I said was true. What does all this talk about Old Testament history, Old Testament sacrifices, why we have physical bodies? Pastor Don, what on earth does all of this have to do with my daily life, my walk with Christ? What difference does it make if we forget the reason that God created us with physical bodies. What difference does it make if we forget why God made us with physical bodies to magnify his mercy? Well, I used to, before my mom died, I used to go and visit my mom at Shepherd Lodge every week. And I would constantly see people, my mom included, who didn't know where they were and didn't know who they were. If they didn't know family members. They didn't know spouses. They didn't know which family they belonged to. It's just kind of sad and about the worst kind of disorientation. Nothing else in life really functions well. Now, now, the Bible talks about people who don't know their Creator. Stay with me here. Paul talks about people who are, they're unsaved and they're alienated. That's the word he uses. Alienated from the life of God, Ephesians. They, they have good jobs. High-tech industry. They drive Mercedes. They dream their dreams. They run successful businesses. But the Bible says they are disoriented because... They've, they don't remember, they don't recognize that God made them. God made their bodies. God designed them. God created them. They've forgotten that God gave them physical bodies so that they could have instruments through which to serve God and glorify God for his mercy. They don't know any of that. And if you stay with me for a minute, I think you can see the difference that it makes, the practical difference that it makes 
watch the news, read the papers. What difference does it make when young men and women come to believe that the physical bodies they live in exist to look good to the opposite sex rather than display God's redeeming mercy in Christ Jesus? And I'll tell you what happens. When people forget that, you end up with a world crowded with eating disorders and plastic surgeons because young women especially have fallen for the lie that they were made with bodies for the covers of magazines and fashion designers rather than to be vehicles of God's grace and mercy in this world. Do you see the difference that it makes? You end up with a world full of mixed-up, pathetic people who are more concerned about their abs than their souls. They can't figure it out. How we need to pray that God is going to raise up bright young people, bright young adults who aren't that stupid and who have a strong biblical sense about why they're here and why God made them with physical bodies to glorify him in their choices in this mixed-up world. Let every act of your body, your physical body, Monday through Friday, let it, let it show that Christ is your treasure, that you're not your own. That's what Paul means, living sacrifices. He means this demonstration isn't something that happens just once and for all. He means every moment. Every moment after your conversion, post-conversion, continuously, every day. Now, here's where I want to wrap up. Because once we lay this foundation, now you can see something that is one of the most important truths to me of all the things I teach, and I think there's a lack of understanding on it. So the idea here is renewed minds come from treasuring the mercy of Christ. This gets fleshed out in our physical bodies. Now I want to talk about, so how does all of this relate to what we do when we go to church? Point number three, dedicating our body as part of our corporate worship patterns. Because all of this theology that we've been studying is why we worship the way we worship. And I don't think it gets explained very often. I don't think, I don't think many people have a solid understanding of it. You start to see now, throughout the scriptures, this idea, present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's to be the way I live my life every day, okay? Every day, that's the way I'm to live. How do I get trained to do that? And it relates to what we do when we come to church. Worship, as it gets explained in the scriptures, is supposed to do something very specific. Our worship patterns are to teach us about our relationship to God in these physical bodies. It's, it's, it's the focal point of how we meet God. And just about everything in the Bible about worship is designed to show that God is training us, training us in this idea that what we do with our bodies matters. I'm prone to, you know, 
not want to do that. And so God has a plan. He calls us to deal with him. And more often than not, when he calls us to approach him, it's not just a mental thing or a devotional thing or a heart thing. It's a body thing. And so Jesus says, you've asked me into your heart. You want to be my disciple? You need to be baptized. When I'm baptized, I get my whole body wet. Why? And then Jesus says, I want you to remember my death regularly. But he doesn't mean just come sit in silence and think about his death. No, you want to remember my death? Your body. I want, there's a piece of bread, there's a cup. You eat, you drink. That's how you remember my body. Sometimes we bow. Sometimes we raise our hands. Sometimes we speak with these physical lips, verbal praise with our voices to God. And, and here's the thing. People have actually come to believe that when they come into Cedar View Community Church and we raise our hands or lift our voices or bow, that we're doing it because, well, you know, they're those Pentecostal, charismatic They're just kind of, some people are wired more emotionally and they like to be a little more, uh, a little more display in their worship. And that's not it. That is not it. If you were God and you were trying to teach people that everything they do with their physical bodies is part of their discipleship, how would you ask them to worship you? I know what I would do. I would make sure they understood that it isn't enough just to think about God with my thoughts in church. I know I would want my people, if I were God, I'd want my people to know that these hands belong to him, part of their worship. Their voices, the things they say belong to him. Verbal praise. We are reminding ourselves of the very way God has made us. This is foundational. God does not just want my heart in worship. God does not just want my thoughts in worship. God wants my body in worship. Present your bodies. That's not talking about worship. Oh, yes, it is, which is your spiritual worship. Look at the last verses. So we are called as a church. We are called to worship in ways that reinforce the principle that our bodies belong to the Lord. That's why we use physical bodies in worship. Has nothing to do with emotion. Has nothing to do with church background. It has to do with Bible. Of course, here's the criticism. I know people can lift their hands in church and not honor God on the way home. I get it. And that's a very common criticism against visible forms of worship. But it really completely misses the point. Rather than get upset about hypocrites who demonstrate a pattern of worship they don't live out, I'm going to make sure, as much as I possibly can, that I will present my body to the Lord in worship in the sanctuary so that it will be preparation for me presenting my body to the Lord seven days a week. I'll offer my life, body and all, in worship, in gratitude for, 
all of his mercies and to train my mind to think this body really does belong to the Lord. It's a big idea that that has to just not just lay on the surface of our minds, but it's got to get into our beings. I hope that whenever, you know, usually Tom or whoever's up here leading in worship and there's an, a, a call to express in some way with the body, if you just see someone trying to hype up a crowd, you're missing it. We're training us in how we present our bodies to the Lord all week long in love and devotion. Don't forget, we're back now Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock. It's a lot, lot easier. You don't have to register or anything else. We'd, we'd just love to have you. God bless you, church. Love one another.